0: Welcome to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Bonner. Listen for commentary, interviews, and information on how to grow your business. For all the details, contact BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. So, Empire Builders, are you ready? Here's Kimberly Bonner.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Business Scale Insights. I am your host, Kimberly Bonner, and can you believe it? We are in the month of November. The year is almost completely up and I just it, it's like you blink and uh, you' you're at the end of the year. I wanted to focus in the month of November on all things related to developing your workplace culture, employee retention, engagement, Um, All things kind of related to HR because it's such a pain point sometimes during the holidays with small businesses either looking to attract new talent for the holiday rush, retain new talent. I know we're having a very tight labor market and sometimes people are looking during the holidays to make a transition and or just improving the overall, overall culture of a business or organization. During the holiday season. So, in the month of November, you definitely want to come back and listen to Business Scale Insights because I'm bringing people who have incredible expertise to speak on these topics. And to lead off this November series, I am so incredibly honored and humbled to have a longtime friend, YPOC, executive coach with Unleashed Leaders. Why and I have known each other since high school. Can you believe it? Oh, my it?
2: goodness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were kind of debate speech geeks, and he was the uh, student council president, and I was the president of my class, and we've known each other for a long time. We both attended Coral Springs High School here in Broward County, Florida. He went off to Stanford University for undergraduate school, and he never came back.
0: Just never came back.
1: I'm like, what and I went to the University of Virginia and I stayed there for a while and then I recently returned and I have an office in South Florida now. But I'm so excited because uh Y has such an incredible breadth and, and depth of knowledge. Um some of his lists of clients include Google, Nintendo, Zynga, Mozilla, LinkedIn, Intel, Facebook uh genetech uh biomarin mercy housing oliver wyman i could go on and on and on and on he uh, likes to call himself an, an organizational consultant and being in silicon valley for as long as he has been in silicon valley i'm sure he's seen some of everything so Welcome, wide to the program. Thank you so much for agreeing to share your expertise and no- and just knowledge with the listening audience today.
2: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, kind of, I know you. I know you pretty well. We go back a while, a while back. I don't want to share our age with the listening audience. <laughs> but I know everyone doesn't know you, and I want you to share your background, and your personal and professional story with the listening audience.
2: Sure. Um, It may help your audience to know that I came from a family business. My parents were immigrants. We landed in Miami years ago, Um, parents not speaking English, and so they started out by operating a Chinese restaurant. So it was mom and pop um, and small business and my dad, in particular, made a point of um, selling and buying businesses and converting restaurants into Chinese restaurants and then selling it to other Chinese immigrants.
1: Wow, that's so brilliant. That was,
2: yeah, well, it was very much part of my own history to observe them. I call it working both in the uh, back of the room as well as front of the room um, and seeing all parts of a business, and in particular, a small business. Um So that's definitely part of my background when I was in Florida. Um, By the way, as a side note, Florida is the birthplace of a number of um, big Silicon Valley muckety-mucks.
1: Really? Um, I know Sheryl
2: Sandberg, correct? Isn't she from? Sheryl Sandberg grew up, I think, in North Miami Beach. Yes. Jeff Bezos um, grew up down in um, South of Miami.
1: I did not. Wow! I know he was of Cuban heritage. I did not know he grew up in the Miami area. Well, that would explain everything. (laughs) 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 That would explain the genius.
2: Okay, it's it's all the it's the fertile soil of Miami (laughs) um, in South Florida, where lots of different people from different parts of the world come together. So, and I definitely was a child of all of that too. Wow. So, so, through, so so through all of that, um, I, as a scholarship kid, I landed at Stanford uh, University um, and ended up pursuing a career in human resources, partly because I consciously selected a profession where I at that time felt that I didn't need more schooling, that I can actually start contributing and paying my own rent. And mortgage, <laughs> as well as helping my parents,
1: right, right, so
2: right. immigrants kid, finding my own way, um yeah, that's a little bit about me
1: wonderful so i I love your story. I love the mom and pop uh, restaurant tour uh story, and then you moved into the h r realm. Can you talk and tease a little bit of the lessons that you learned, kind of observing your your parents' operation and do you find yourself did you find yourself kind of pulling on some of the things that you learned from watching these on your your parents as entrepreneurs and how they had to deal with staff issues and the incredibly kind of volatile area of just restaurant ownership and buying and selling businesses and flipping them and turning them into to to restaurants uh Chinese restaurants did you find yourself pulling on any of that or was it just You know, you you charted a completely new course when you started in the Uh, venture area.
2: No, I think we're all rooted in some of our own own histories, right? Um, I definitely observed, I had a front row seat in... For example, staffing issues that yes. my parents would have. Um, the whole irony, they're, of course, they're retired now, so I, I could share this part of the story. I'll <laughs> let you in on a little secret. Neither my mom nor my dad knew really how to cook when this all started.
0: <laughs> Are you
2: serious? Um, oh yeah, uh, so they were both professionals in China. My My mother was a mechanical engineer working at the Shanghai number no. one steel mill. They used to number them back then. Um, when it wow. was, uh, in the old country. And my father was a, um, what, what are called, um, country doctor, meaning he was a physician who worked in rural places. Um, so that's their background. They really didn't know too much about food. And I bring that up because in being Chinese, it's one of the things that immigrants can do is they can either work in, and then at some point own a Chinese restaurant, um, and so my parents, for a long time, relied on chefs, so key employees. Yes. Um. And so I, I, I felt some of their pain. So when business was great, because the food was great, that meant that the chef had uh, more leverage, Absolutely. including for more pay. And of course, my parents would increase pay as their profits rose. But the competition actually for key talent, even among Chinese restaurants, is actually quite keen. So, that ability to attract talent, that ability to retain talent, um, as well as transition from one person to another, one chef to another, one key talent to another, even for a small business like my parents, that was really critical. So, I saw that at a very young age. Um, I saw how important people were. I, here, I use the example of the chef, but Sometimes people are coming into your small business because you have great customer service. Um, And I absolutely witnessed that in my mother who just was a super friendly person. It's partly how she was wired. Um, But you know, people would come in and uh, she'd be asking about their lives and it also made it fun for her. And and I got to witness some of that enjoyment um, that she had so I'd say maybe a third lesson here is that whereas my mother really loved developing customer intimacy, if I use a business term, um, my father saw it as a business to flip, to use the verb. And I think that really created a constraint on, uh, I'll just say it, on their marriage um, when I was growing up. Um, Because one wanted to always move around and the other wanted to stay with the business. Mm. Um, And so that To me, when I looked at that, it it really comes into play when these days when I coach leaders who, for example, might be co-founders or uh, share partnership, co-lead even on a big project um, and some of the push and pull of that relationship.
1: Well, that's really interesting. I wasn't going to ask this question, (laughs) but I am. Since you um, brought up that whole co-founder piece and the relationship with your your mom and dad and their kind of different visions of the culture and the company. Um, When you're talking about creating any great business, whether it's a mom and pop with great vision or a small, uh, a larger business that wants to take over the world, everything really does rise and fall on that team that you assemble. And, Absolutely, and and that team, particularly the founders, that that starting five, <laughs>
2: yes. to
1: use an uh, yeah sports analogy, right? Uh, that starting five is so critical for the culture, for the vision, for the direction, everything. So, can you kind of give some wisdom to small? businesses out there, including the mom and pops out there, the ones that are similar to your mom and dad's operation, because every, you know, a lot of them are listening to this broadcast. What kind of helpful tips can you, can you give them when it comes to solidifying that team and, you know, kind of making sure that the team is on the same page, kind of going in the same direction? What can they do to make sure that they don't um, make some mistakes in assembling their team?
2: That, that is a huge question <laughs> um, because the mistakes that are made when you're a team of two is very different from a team of five and different te- from a team of 15 or 50 or 150 or 1,000. Right. Um, all of which, if you're a great team, maybe you have um, the same founding five through that journey. Right. Um, but let's just... w- What I want to say for that for the smaller team, it, it, it is about finding people who I call it who you, you want to run with. So not just run a business, but literally like uh, you know, I used to be a cross country runner. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you and I go back. <laughs> I wish I was running now, but I'm not running in that way. I, I um... so, but I, I say that because mm. you go great distances. In particular, you know, in a cross-country meet, you're you are trying to make time, right? You're trying to win, win, win with um, uh, your time. So, uh, but to get there, you actually have to practice running. Yes. And practice running. How do you get through practice running? Especially, I mean, back in the days, it was uh, Florida, <laughs> you know, as I recall. <laughs> like we're talking, like. 85 to 90 degree plus 80% humidity. It was
1: abuse back then. That, yeah, well, sports was abusive yeah. back then. Child yeah. abuse. We
2: ran, I remember running, sometimes running through golf courses, you know, where, oh, my God, like the sprinkler would you know help help us feel alighted, right? With a little <laughs> bit of cool air, that would help. When you're doing something that difficult and, and if you're growing a business exponentially, it is that difficult. Um you want to be with people that you want to run with? So my favorite running companions, um, Rudy and Donna, um, these are two friends through the years that I ran with. They were wonderful just to talk with while I was running. It didn't feel like it was a long, arduous journey because these are the people that I wanted to hang out with. Um, and I, I feel that same way about small businesses, that starting five. These are the people that you want to work hard with. Um, here in Silicon Valley, we of course talk a lot about startups and you know uh, the, the 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 brutal reality of it is that they're working really long hours yes. in the early days. Pay is really low. Yes. So it's not about pay. The payoff is you know pretty uncertain. Um, and but but it's kind of these are the people that I want to hang with. I want to create things with. Um, and and if this particular business fails, then there may be an opportunity because we built as a team together, we know how to work through challenges together, that we might start another business together.
1: Wonderful. Well, I have to interrupt you uh, real quick. Why? Because we have to uh, pause for a break. But when we come back, this is a wonderful lead-in to questions about culture and developing business culture, particularly at the end of the year, around the holidays What can small businesses do and why it's so important to develop a solid culture? So we'll be right
0: back after this break. If you already have a proven business model but have concerns about the best way to grow and scale then you should contact the experts at New Day Consulting Systems. New Day uses innovative techniques to 10 times the impact of your business. Your local business can become a regional, national, or international enterprise. New Day Consulting Systems will show you how. For more information and to get started with New Day, visit the website at NewDayConsultingSystems.com. One word, NewDayConsultingSystems.com to get your business off the ground and into orbit. Contact New Day today. Everyone loves getting the Royal treatment. It's a clear understanding of that simple fact that has enabled Royal Maid Service to grow from one location in 1992 to be one of the largest maid services in Florida. Now, Royal Maid Service is actively looking for the right entrepreneurs for franchise opportunities in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Jacksonville, and Bonita. Royal Maid Service was founded by an English couple and operates on the centuries-old tradition of proper English service. If you are a strong entrepreneur looking to provide superior service to discerning clients, Royal Maid Service would like to speak with you. Call 800-577-5947. Again, that's 800-577-5947 to speak with a representative. This advertisement is not an offer to sell a franchise. That offer can only be made through our franchise disclosure document.
1: And welcome back. This is Business Scale Insights with your host, Kimberly Bonner. And I am continuing my interview of WIPOC Executive Coach with Unleashed leaders. And we were talking about just the importance of developing your team as a small business uh, owner. And also we wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into developing your business culture. We're rounding out the year, we're in November, the year's almost done. And so culture is just such an important concept. And sometimes it can be overstated or understated. But during the holidays, I do think it's really important to double down and kind of uh, look at your culture and what you're you're trying to do with your culture. So why are you still there? I am here. How would you define business culture And and Why is business culture important?
2: Business culture, I I actually think especially for a small business, is important because um, in a larger business that typically has been around for a longer period of time, they have lots of processes,
0: um,
2: systems in place, and dare I say even rules about how to do things and what to do and in smaller organizations there's just a lot less rule books a lot less systems a lot less processes um it doesn't mean that there aren't an assortment of issues that arise and so what culture can help do is it can help all of us navigate without those rule books but more on norms and values that we have
1: Okay. Now, Mind clinic. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, t- now, 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 flush that out a little bit because uh, somebody's listening to you and saying, "Well, what's this? All this psychobabble, norms and values. Make it concrete and plain. Why? What are you talking
2: about? Give me." Yeah. So, so, um if for example, if we really care about the customer, well, what does that? How does that really translate in your business? Um, it translates to when the customer is complaining, you're actually not going to try to um, stop that too quickly as much as you actually want to pull out more information from your customer to better serve this customer or a future customer because you're really committed to your customer.
1: Wow. Now that's revolutionary because a lot of people do the exact opposite. I'm sure you know that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're trying to defend themselves. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes.
1: So I imagine you have to coach a lot of leaders to get to that place because I don't think that's natural for a lot of people.
2: Well, I I think this is where culture comes in. Um, And also you you earlier talked about attracting the right talent. Yes. This is where it it begins with selecting the right talent to be part of your business. Uh, so if, if if customer intimacy is important to you, that by the way is another businessy buzzy term. Customer intimacy really means that you deeply know who your customer is. So if that's really something that you value in a small business, then you're selecting for people who they're not just super friendly, they're super curious, and in particular they're curious about people and about their customers. And you want your front of the room to be wired like that, but you want the back of the room also to be wired like that.
1: Why, it's wonderful that you say that, and I'm going to just, you know, play the, (laughs) I don't want to say devil's advocate, but I'm just going to be the person, the contrarian out there. You know, Mm -hmm. that's all well and good, but um, why, hiring is the hardest thing that anyone can do, any any leader in any organization can do. And Mm -hmm. it's so much harder in a tight labor market that we're in right now, and it's so much harder for a mom-and-pop um, organization or a smaller business. So so in light of all those constraints, you know, sometimes people just need somebody that can just show up to work and just get it done. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just really, really hard to get the kind of A-plus talent that you're talking about in a smaller business. Is it possible? Do the, Do these people just... You know, the best they can do is just hire the best that they can do and then try to train those people or uh, as the founders of the organization, they just have to take a much more active role in establishing that that culture. I just know that I I know where I've been and I know where the folks that I work with have been. And it's just that getting the right people and making those right hires that can really um, make your culture flourish is such a hard thing.
2: Well, this is, yes, it is such a hard thing. It is not to be taken for granted. Um, and this is also where the right people attract the right people. Ah, oh, okay, okay. So they often are networked with the right people. When I say right, meaning right for you, right? If, for example, a, a level of amiableness, friendliness is really important. Um, amiable people tend to come along with other amiable people. Um, And, in fact, some of the best um, employees you may have is through some referrals. Um, But the opposite is also true, right? Like sometimes very uh, crude people will tolerate other crude and boorish people, (laughs) Um, right? So you bring in one bad apple, it might spoil the whole and so this is where selection is so important and sometimes to your point you just need someone to fill a space yes. let's say to ring the cash register yes. so to think but but then hire them contingently especially through the holidays um contingently meaning their attempt yeah um, or it's very clear to them that you're you have a three-month role um to get you through let's say a high demand period um, where you've got a lot of demand on your product or um, a lot of customers coming and needing services, so help bridge through that and actually use that period to do some selecting. so people sometimes select through interviewing, but actually, if you've got someone for ninety days, um you can actually really be qualifying them in that whole period. I love it.
1: I love it. keep going and then
2: retain <laughs> and then retain your best one.
1: Yes.
2: So the person who is closest to the culture and the values that you have, the culture you're trying to shape, the values that you are trying to manifest. Um, and if you have more of those kinds of people, they will, they will, through their network, bring others of those people. They will also help you select those very same people. Love and then, it. by the way, you then become an organization that's known for, uh, in a certain way. And that becomes, we call it your employer proposition. It's what you offer um, to others. And it becomes in itself your employer brand. So your brand as an employer becomes uh, something that is attractive to candidates. They come to you then versus you trying to reach out and continuously trying to find them. No, That's I, kind of the end goal.
1: I love it. And I've actually been reading some articles about the fact that in Silicon Valley, where you are, Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of folks are getting away from kind of hiring people based upon an interview process, and it's more like they come in, they work, and people see if it's a fit. It's more of a temp gig, and then that can transition into something long-term. Are you seeing – I read that in an article, a couple articles. Is that actually true? Are you seeing a lot of that?
2: There's definitely some of that going on. Um, uh, I I, I, I think – so I think, in the short term, that's good. I, I would also caution all of us. Um, in the long term, my worry is that there is a permanent class of contract workers. I know um, who are not receiving full benefits.
1: I know, um,
2: and so that can that's a little worrisome to me. Um, that some of the big employers are moving in that direction, and for them, in some cases, their argument is that some of this is due to cost. So right. the cost of labor. Um, so I can appreciate that. And it's always something as a business owner we're trying to balance. Um,
1: But why? I'm going to have to jump in. If you can believe it, our time is almost up. uh, I know it always flies by. I want people to reach out to you. You're a brilliant man. I've known you for half my life. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? And uh, so I can attest to his expertise and just the quality of a human being that he is. So if people want to reach out to you, why? How can they do that?
0: Just
2: find me on the web. Um, it is unleashedleaders.com.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Y, for all of this wonderful insight. And I hope everyone out there has a wonderful day. Here's to your success.
0: You have been listening to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Bonner. To get her personal attention to you and your empire, go to com. That's businessscaleinsightsnetwork.com. And tune in again next week for more from Kimberly Bonner with Business Scale Insights.